You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, give us the focus now that we need to look to the cross of Christ alone for our status in life. Pray this in his name. Amen. Last week, Mike started us off in preaching on 1 Corinthians, which will be in for a season, at least through Lent. Uh, it's, I think it's still up in the air whether we'll go on uh, past Easter. That's up to you and to us how we all feel together, whether we still want to be in the same book. Because sometimes it can, get, it can get sort of laborious, I understand. But I think like 1 Corinthians will, be, uh, will never get bored. I mean, there's plenty of material in there. There's sex coming up. Um, so you will, uh, you know, brace yourself. Um, and Mike brought up last week that the problem that's highlighted in the first chapter of Corinthians is uh, distractions in everyday life uh, in the Corinthian culture that is keeping them uh, from trusting in the gospel. And there's something that I like about 1 Corinthians is that uh, the Corinthians were a lot like us, culturally speaking. I mean, from all outward appearances, I'm, I'm sure that if you looked at them, they would appear uh, quite different. The times were different. But behind all of that on the surface, uh, psychologically and philosophically, uh, we have a lot in common with the Corinthians uh, in the first century AD, namely that theirs was an individualist and consumerist culture. There's more that we can say about it, but those are two uh, commonalities that we have with them. And this means that they spent life preoccupied with self-promotion and uh, social survival, or maybe even their literal survival depended on their social survival and self-promotion. Uh, in other words, they're depending on their own abilities and strength to get ahead in life. And the reason these things are problematic for Christians, and he's, Paul's writing particularly to the Christians there in Corinth, but this applies to all of us, the reason these things are problematic uh, for Christians is that God has solved these problems, uh, the concerns uh, that are distracting them there in the first century. And yet, uh, we, like they, uh, continue to live in this world, uh, which we can see more clearly than the invisible reality of things like salvation and the promises that God has given us. As David describes it in Psalm 23, we live in the valley of the, the shadow of death. Unfortunately, though, we are often afraid by the various evils in life that distract us. And we forget that God has set a table uh, for us in the presence of our enemies, and that our cup, as he says in the King James Version, runneth over, uh, and that we will live in the house of the Lord forever. And because of this, we constantly revert back. The Corinthians were reverting back, uh, sort of trying to move beyond the cross, to other things, and so do we, often looking to the stuff of this world for help and life to solve our problems. And all of this is why Paul, in our passage, is explaining what you could call God's great reversal. I mean, in studying this passage this week, I thought, this is, this is if you read it, it's really obvious what Paul is saying. Do I really have to say very much? He basically repeats the same 
concepts over and over again, but I think it, it bears preaching on uh, for the same reason that Paul needed to write such a simple message, that his, the, the God's great reversal, uh, Paul's bottom line message here in the latter half of the first chapter of 1 Corinthians is this, and I wrote it, I wrote it down. I'm going to read to you what I've written here exact, precisely, almost like a, a, a sort of three philosophical points, basically. It's this. The things we call smart and powerful in this world are nothing compared to the knowledge and power of God. Yet, the knowledge and power of God appear stupid and weak to our world. And so to those who are perishing, as Paul describes, uh, those who depend on the world alone and who don't truly know God, to those who are perishing, those of us who are being saved, as he calls us, who trust in God, Uh, we will uh, look stupid and weak to the rest of the world. Let me just read that again. The things that we call smart and powerful in this world are nothing compared to the knowledge and power of God, yet the knowledge and power of God appears stupid and weak to our world. So to those who are perishing, uh, those of us who are being saved will look stupid and weak uh, to the rest of the world. And uh, God's reversal of the values of this world Uh, can be seen most acutely in the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, which Paul focuses on here, where God exerted his power through death, which makes absolutely no sense to the world. And especially to the Romans, and the Corinthians, are, they are Greek by cultural background, but they, they are Romans nationally speaking, so they also have Roman culture uh, amongst them, uh, in the same way that uh, Rome was present in Jerusalem and Palestine at the time. So it was in Corinth. And to the Romans, crucifixion even more so uh, is a strange thing to point to for God's strength and wisdom, because for them it was a taboo topic. Of course, they used it as an execution uh, means of execution, but they didn't talk about it. Maybe they spoke about it with euphemisms. Uh, it, I mean, just to, to help you imagine it, it would be like us talking about things like uh, race or politics or bodily functions. I mean, that was the equivalent with uh, crucifixion for them. So let's take a closer look at the text that we have at hand to flesh out all that I'm saying a little bit uh, more in depth here. Uh, First, it's helpful to remember that last week we ended with Paul explaining uh, in verse 17, verse 17, which isn't in your bulletin, it's in your Bibles if you want to look at it, but I'll read it here. Verse 17 is kind of a connector between the thoughts of last week and the thoughts of this week. So let me read that again. Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So having this thought in mind, verse 18 might make a little more sense, because it's the sort of topic sentence for the rest of the the chapter. He says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And most everything else in the rest of the chapter, and even stretching into chapter 2, basically expound on these thoughts. Uh, Here, just to read some highlights from the rest of our chapter, Paul will go on to say, God made foolish the wisdom of the world. It pleased God uh, through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe, verse 21. The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, uh, verse 25. And then the final paragraph of this chapter, uh, verses 26 through 29, 
uh, he addresses some who are in the Corinthian church who apparently did not come from a high status. They come from humbler origins. And he highlights them to say something uh, to the whole Corinthian community. Uh, those who lacked intellectual, social, political, or financial influence, he speaks directly to them that they were not saved by anything that they brought to the equation because they had nothing to offer. Uh, but God chose them, is the phrase he uses. He repeats this three times in verses 27 and 28. It wasn't your doing, but God chose you, the, you know, the weak, uh, to, to shame those who think they're strong and wise. And so, therefore, well, God chose all of them, all the Corinthians, uh, through something and uh, through a message that seems uh, foolish to this world, but it is the thing for them to focus on. And therefore, it's silly to seek out the wisdom and power of this world to get ahead, knowing what you know. Why would you keep reverting back to the things Paul says to the Corinthians uh, to get ahead in life? Uh, when you know the message of the cross. Just consider this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis to, to better understand what Paul is saying here. I first read this actually before I was a Christian. I, when I first read this, I was actually kind of taken by what, what, what uh, C.S. Lewis says here. He says, if you were thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something which is going to take the whole of you, brains and all. But fortunately, it works the other way round. Anyone who is honestly trying to be a Christian will soon find his intelligence being sharpened. One of the reasons why it needs no special education to be a Christian is that Christianity is an education itself. That is why an uneducated believer like John Bunyan was able to write the Pilgrim's Progress that has astonished the whole world. What he's saying here is someone coming from the, the humblest of origins, intellectually speaking, is made smarter than the smartest person in the world when they're focusing on the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, that that is an education, and there lies true wisdom in and of itself. Uh, and so uh, it might be helpful finally now to look at the verses to come, which we'll look at uh, more in depth next week, at the beginning of chapter 2. Remember, these chapters didn't exist when Paul originally wrote it. This is all, the, these thoughts were connected. He goes on to say, I, when I, he says to the Corinthians, reminding of them when he came to them at the beginning of chapter 2, it's for all these reasons, he says, I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, meaning the wisdom of the, this world, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, what he's saying was that was the message of his emphasis, to talk about this taboo topic. And even talking through that taboo topic, a church was built. Well, now let's fast forward to the 21st century. Let's uh, speed up to here and now, to 2019, to ground what Paul is saying for us today, for, for you and for me. Like I said, 1 Corinthians is very relevant to 21st century American Christians. And this is because we live in an age obsessed with information and influence. There are other things that we're obsessed with, but those are two things that we're often obsessed with, and they dictate a lot of decisions in our lives. 
And often these desires for more information and more influence are, are interrelated, that we'll often uh, seek to gain more influence by gaining uh, more information, which is something that I've personally struggled with as an academic uh, type of person. You know, I mean, the, the, the catchphrase when I was growing up is knowledge is power. You know, I mean, that was, that was ingrained in me. They had it up on the boards in all the elementary school classrooms, you know, what you want, the ultimate goal is power, and to get there is to, is to gain more knowledge. That's the path, Matt. Uh, and, I mean, every decision until I was 26 years old, almost, I feel, was, was dictated by, by that catchphrase there. But you don't have to be an academic, you know, you don't have to be uh, someone with all kinds of degrees to fall into these traps of desiring uh, more info and uh, more influence in this world. Just think of the concept of FOMO. You know what I'm talking about? F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. You'll see this like hashtag FOMO on social media or elsewhere. Uh, but uh, it's beyond social media. You know, it extends into to relationships and and current events and social gatherings and uh, things of that uh, nature, you know, you know if, if, if you knew that seven of your best friends were meeting without you, you'd have fear of missing out. You know, you wouldn't have to see that on social media. Or the, I was telling the congregation this morning, I was in West Homewood and I saw this restaurant called Ash and I thought, why is there this new restaurant that I don't know about? And these people are sitting in it. Apparently they know something that I don't know. What is, what is this ash? That looks kind of cool. Um, but uh, FOMO isn't the only thing, though. You know, we're obsessed with numbers, too. We attach so many numbers to so many things, the, the likes that we have, the friends that we collect, comments on things that we post, or salaries that we don't talk about but still obsess over, the number of whatever type of room in our house, you know, the number of en-suites, our grades, SATs and ACT scores or LSATs, God help you, whatever it is for you, the, the version number of your iPhone or the year that your car was built, you know, these are things that we use uh, uh, as sort of measurements in, in life. And, and even and think about also when we, when we talk to each other. If you just observe a conversation in a public space, you know, I, uh, you know, just go to the, the, the shopping mall or across the street in Harbert Plaza and sit down at O'Henry's and get a coffee and just watch the conversations people are having. And what you will see is just information gathering and one-upmanship. You know, it's to gather the information and then go one above it. There was a guy in the fraternity that I was in in college and his nickname was Stan. And that stood for shoot, that ain't nothing, but it was a different word. Uh, because he would constantly say, when you were talking to him, he would say, shoot, that ain't nothing, and then he, you know, he would one-up it. There was no care and concern for you. you know? It was just information gathering and one-upmanship. Well, here's the problem. No matter how much we achieve or how smart or powerful we seem, we'll never have enough information and influence in, in this life. There will always be someone who's smarter than you, who's richer than you, who's better looking than you, and has nicer stuff. Even if you're the wealthiest person in, in the world with uh, some of the most uh, power in the world. And of course I'm talking about Jeff Bezos, uh, who recently uh, Forbes called both the fifth most powerful person in the world, he's the first person on the list who's not a political leader, and the wealthiest person in the world. Uh, 
the, I'm talking about the guy who's the, the CEO of, of Amazon, right, and, and, and many other things. But there's been a, all the, um, the recent news about him has been about extramarital affair, divorce, and the fact that he gives away less than 1% of his income each year. Uh, so you see here in the story of Jeff Bezos, for example, that you can have more than everyone else and still be dissatisfied. And, and, and desiring more, maybe even a new wife. Friends, the wisdom of this world will lead you astray and disappoint you, and it will not save you. Meanwhile, the, the messages of, uh, of our life will tell you to, to look to yourself and to the info and influence you think you want and need, but you'll just end up like uh, Jeff Bezos. Or uh, I was telling the story of earlier this morning of the sketch uh, on Portlandia. Do you remember that show? Is it still on? There's this one, one of the best sketches on Portlandia is these hipsters sitting in a, a coffee shop and they're talking about things that they've read. And someone says, did you read that New Yorker article? Read it. And then they, they, this, they quickly pick up the pace. Did you read this thing and, and such and such? Oh, I read it. The ending wasn't that good. Uh, and the, it was just that, that one-upmanship. You will end up like that if you look to the things of this world, left feeling like you haven't read enough, that you don't own enough, and that you don't have enough power, and you will use people, even most grossly, maybe even your spouse, like a consumer product that you just eventually uh, discard or donate and give away. And personally, I felt like uh, I've talked about, I told you about the, uh, the knowledge is power, well, I felt like most of my life has been uh, a, in a state of like a brainwash. And I know that sounds really um, sort of dire, and, but I, th I think it's that bad, that that's how bad it is. That's what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians, that the brainwash for me wasn't coming from the obvious culprits of you know, television commercials and pop music and movies per se, although there's some of that there that some of the, the things that have affected me most of my life are just the simple, trite, cliche sayings that people in my family, my friends, or mentors were saying on a daily basis. Like, if it, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Or follow your heart. Or from rags to riches. Or pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Or if you want to get ahead in life, you know, fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you. And that's why becoming a Christian for me felt like a pulling away of the curtain, like pulling away the curtain, the Wizard of Oz, you know, to see the, the truth behind the curtain, or as, as described for Paul, Luke describes for Paul in Acts, like scales fell from his eyes so that he could see the truth more clearly, or absolutely clearly. Now let's talk about you personally. Let's talk about you personally for just a few minutes as I bring this sermon in for a landing. I want nothing more, if this hasn't happened for you already, and I'm sure it has, but to remind you of that truth, I want nothing more for you than to have that curtain to be pulled away, to have those scales fall from your eyes. And so I want to say a few things to you directly today that I think are of, are of utmost importance. Please stop looking to the information of this life for your ultimate wisdom. Now, I'm not saying there are, there are things in this life that aren't wise, but they are not ultimate wisdom. So please stop looking to the things of this life for ultimate wisdom. 
Stop looking to the products, affiliations, and quick fixes of this life for your strength. Stop being embarrassed by the message of the cross, which is foolishness to most of your peers, and find the wisdom and strength, all the wisdom and strength you will ever need right there at the cross, the crucifixion of Christ. And if you do these things, I can make one sure and certain agreement with you regarding your life, and that is that it will not get easier. It might become more difficult for you because you will look stranger and stranger to those who are perishing. But you will have all the eternal assurance you will ever need. Uh, As Jesus Christ himself explained when talking about this in Matthew's Gospel, he said, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Similarly, Paul tells us in the final verse today of our passage to boast in nothing of this life but to boast in the Lord alone. If you put all your trust in what Paul is saying here, you will have, as he explains, you will have righteousness, but it will not be your own. It will be given to you by God. You will have sanctification, which is to be made holy, which basically means to, to become the person that you were originally created to be. And you will have redemption, which means rescue from sin and death and all the evil forces that corrupt in this life. As I said before, earlier in my sermon, this uh, temporary life is like the valley of the shadow of death. But because of the cross of Christ, you have no need to fear evil. And no worldly wisdom or power will ever keep all the evil at bay anyway. So depend solely on the way of the cross, and that you are one of those who are being saved. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.